0: Sleepover Over Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late
1: 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to
0: explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the very often made for TV movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are?
1: And today, in honor of our first episode of season two, we are talking about 2004's Sleepover, which was a suggestion from a listener. Just want to credit. (laughs) Credit where credit is due. It was the last day of school, and these
0: four friends are going to celebrate.
1: Maybe I should stay home tonight. No, mom, I know your rules. No leaving the house. Stacy? It started as a sleepover. We decided to put together a little hunt. Hunting what? Scavenger hunting? You're on. But it became their chance to prove they can take on the competition. We have a proposition. Can you cover for us? Five bucks. Actually, I need 20. Now... Help! Help! I think I can get us a car.
0: All right. It feels good to be back. I had fun reading that intro. <laughs> We're doing this recording remotely now, so we are no longer in my tiny hallway. Uh the people demanded a season 2 and damn it, here we are making it work. <laughs>
1: and now you get to see us as well. Yes. So that's fun.
0: And there are some very complicated setups going on here that we will have to share uh on our social media, but you know, this is where our audio-visual training is really coming in handy. <laughs> Our first episode of season two today is on the movie Sleepover, which neither of us have seen before, which is kind of shocking. Now that I have compiled the facts, I don't really know how we missed it.
1: I think I have seen it, actually. But it's so fuzzy <laughs> in my mind that I might have only watched the first ten minutes or something. <laughs> Got it. I had never even heard of it,
0: and... uh Obviously, our show is called Sleepover Cinema, so people were always like, you gotta do Sleepover, silly. So, here we are, and we're doing it. Exactly. So, I mean, I guess without any further ado, we may as well get into the facts. So, Sleepover was released in theaters on July 9th, 2004. It was directed by Joe Nussbaum, uh, who is known (laughs) in our world primarily for directing Sidney White.
1: Starring Amanda Bynes. Another one we didn't really get into. Yeah,
0: but you know, it definitely fits into the canon. We haven't done any Amanda Bynes yet, which is weird. But anyway, good old Joe is currently directing Gabby Duran and the Unsittables for Disney Channel, which I was like, what on earth could that possibly be? Uh, But it's like, I read the synopsis and it was like... Is she a babysitter? Yeah, but she's a babysitter, but she's like... (laughs) I'm going Gabby is her name. She's like Gabby is in the shadow of her older sister who's really good at stuff and so she gets a job babysitting these like intergalactically powerful children. All right. A new spin on an old classic perhaps. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> And then the screenplay for Sleepover was written by Alyssa Bell, who uh, has been inactive since 2009, as far as I can tell. But she did write the movie Little Black Book, which I have not seen, but it rings a bell. And uh, also, I discovered in researching her that she wrote the Lifetime movie, True Confessions of a Hollywood Starlet, starring Jojo, which... Clearly, Jojo in like a dark period, but Jojo nonetheless. It's basically like the plot of Hannah Montana, but darker. So there's that.
1: It seems kind of lifetime. I mean, it is a lifetime movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so it is lifetime. <laughs> it is in fact a lifetime movie. <sighs> anyway,
0: so sleepover. Uh. Audrey, as you can probably see on the outline, there is a very long plot synopsis, but as neither of us have seen it, I figure that it would be better to give us more than less. Uh, and And to set the record straight here, we've only seen the trailer respectively, right? And maybe you've seen the first 10 minutes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Would you
0: like to read the plot synopsis?
1: Yes. Okay. Okay. So here it is. On the last day of 8th grade, before their freshman year in high school, Julie has a slumber party with three best friends. Hannah, (gasps) Farah, and (laughs) Yancey. And they have the time of their lives. To win the legendary high school lunch spot by the fountain, they must win an all-night scavenger hunt against their popular girl rivals. Unfortunately, Julie's mom has firm rules about the party. First rule... Don't leave the house. But Julie and her friends won't let a little thing like parental authority stand in the way of social domination. And they sneak out of the house, steal a car, snatch a cute boy's boxer shorts, crash a high school dance, and torment an egomaniac security guard. Along the way, some of the girls might just find love because anything is possible at Julie's sleepover. (laughs) See, to me, that could not
0: possibly be more enticing. Like <laughs> I am I'm excited yeah. for whatever this movie holds just based off of all of that alone. Um and of course you have to read the
1: tagline. Oh right. So there's only one apparently. They just said this is our one. <laughs> this is our one tagline. The rules are set, the game is on. Yep. That is far too
0: vague. That is it. They did not give that us is so vague. They gave us no more. There were no other taglines. No. <laughs> but They could have really done something stronger, I think. I agree. Even, like, even anything could happen at Julie's sleepover would be great. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this cast. Side note, I have to say before I get into the cast, we didn't even talk about our outfits.
1: Oh, yeah. If you're only listening, then you wouldn't know. But if you are watching, we both have on silken robes (laughs) because it's a sleepover. Yeah, and, like, maybe I should be holding a pillow. (laughs) Yeah, I would be holding
0: a pillow, but they're my backdrop. Um, Also, for those who are not watching, I have multiple of those semi-tacky transition sequin pillows behind me and (laughs) an aquamarine poster. And we're both sitting on our beds, so you're getting the sleepover experience in all ways if you're watching.
1: And also for the video segment, this right here (laughs) is... A collage that my roommate Hunter made for me for Christmas that features all of the movies of season one, pretty much. So nice. So, it's like it's like at the altar. <laughs> like this is this is where I sleep. Like,
0: <laughs> and then I have. Uh, An aquamarine poster that Audrey gave me for Christmas a few years ago, and it's not normally on my bed. I know it might be hard to believe, uh, but it is above my desk (laughs) in the other room most of the time. So if you watch the video for our Lizzie McGuire episode, you will see it lurking in the background, and that is where it normally is. Okay, anyway, the cast of this movie, as Julie, our leading lady, we have Alexa Vega, who... Is essentially synonymous with her character in Spy Kids, and then we have Mika Borem. Do you know who this person is? Mm, okay, no. Mika Borem. Oh, right, right, right. Okay, so I was looking at her stuff. Hopefully I'm pronouncing her name right. Um, And she was on a bunch of Touched by an Angel and Dawson's Creek during the era of Sleepover. So she was like a teen drama mm. slash soapy individual. Then we have none other than Jane Lynch as Gabby, who is Julie's mom. Uh, If you don't know who Jane yep. Lynch is... I don't know what to say. I don't know how you're in our audience because she is Sue Sylvester from Glee. And that is, again, she's very synonymously associated with that role. True. Yes. Anyway, our next person is Sam Huntington as Ren, who I'm guessing is the uh, hot guy love interest. Um, his credits bored me, and I'm assuming his character is disposable based off of this sort of movie. So that's all I'm going to say about him. And then we have Sarah Paxton as Stacy. Mean Girl Stacy. And you already know Sarah Paxton is behind me with a tail. Sarah Paxton is Aquamarine. And I thought it was really interesting that she's the mean girl in this movie because it makes a lot of sense considering that in Aquamarine she was originally up for the part of Cecilia.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So we're going to get some insight into her
0: mean girl abilities in this movie, which I'm guessing will be quite good.
1: Yeah, but she does have like I don't know. I think I think people just they they were like oh she's just like blonde and white and skinny and therefore she's gonna be typecast as the mean like I don't know <laughs> I feel I don't know if I would typecast her as a mean girl because she doesn't really have that kind of spirit. But like well I don't know. we've
0: also only seen her in Aquamarine and seen it thousands <laughs> of times. That's
1: not true. <laughs> That's not true. I've I watched her in Halloween Town. <sighs> oh my god! I always forget she was in
0: Halloween Town because her hair was brown. She kind of does have, like, the kooky gal thing going on, too.
1: Yeah, or at least more of, like, a Miranda Cosgrove. (laughs) Like, chaotic neutral. Yeah, like, she's more Miranda Cosgrove than she is Mean Girl, I think, but... We will be able to bring that back and
0: debate it after we watch the movie, which we are actually going to break and do in between the two segments today, so know that our responses will be genuine.
1: We're staying true to our format. We're staying true
0: to the format regardless of the practicality via doing it remotely. (laughs) Um, Okay, so now we have Brie Larson as Liz. And now I'm going to be honest. I don't understand why Brie Larson is, like, relevant or, like, such a darling. It feels like she is. I I guess she was in Room and she was Captain Marvel and, like, in a bunch of big
1: action movies.
0: But, like, I've somehow just missed her.
1: I pretty much have, too, even though I'm very aware of everything in her career. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know why people love her. I would I would understand it more if they kind of knew of her since she was really young. Um, like, she's actually not much older than you, I think. Probably. Um, but... For some reason, it feels like she's much older. <laughs> so I don't know. She's been in the business
0: for a long time. That's yeah. probably part of it. Yeah. Anyway, if you're a Brie Larson stan, feel free to school Sorry. me. Because <laughs> I don't know who she is. Um, And then there are probably a lot more relevant characters here, but I got uh, sick of compiling them and I don't want to bore you guys. But Steve Carell is in this randomly. So that will be interesting to behold. And Evan Peters. Oh, shit, right. And Evan Peters, which, when I saw him in this, he's playing, like, the kind of, like, scatterbrained, like, weird teenage boy that he used to play in movies of this era. But there's another movie that he's in where he plays a part like this, and I don't remember. American Horror Story? No, it's bef- it's from before American Horror Story. Mm. I don't remember what it is, but do you know what it is? No. Okay.
1: I didn't even know that he was in movies before American Horror Story. Like, literally, when I saw him in the trailer, I was like,
0: oh, yeah, that's that guy from that other teen movie where he acts weird. Like, I didn't even realize, like, it didn't even click in my brain that it was Evan Peters. So I don't know who it is.
1: Mm. He's so good. I recently watched the first season of AHS for the first time. I have still never seen Um, the first season. It's so good. The first season
0: you have to watch. I will. I remember my freshman year of college, me and my, like, you know, like the semi-awkward freshman year group of friends that's, like, very cobbled together by, like, whoever happens to be around Mm you. um, We watched Coven. Coven. Every Wednesday when it came out, and we would, like, hang out and watch it. And, like, that friend group dissolved, but the vibes of watching that as, like, a freshman in New York City in the fall when you just got there. Yeah. That's lit. It was lit. It was awesome. Yeah. Um. Okay, so, Audrey, I'm going to task you with the uh, honor of guiding us through the reviews of this movie. Yes,
1: yes, yes. All right, so... Looks like we've got a (laughs) rousing 15% critic (laughs) consensus um, on Rotten Tomatoes. That's really, really, really bad, (laughs) even for what we've covered. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like usually the movies we cover end up in the 40 to 60 range. Yes, this is
0: like Material Girls' realm.
1: Yeah. Um, and then a fifth but, but redeeming fifty four percent audience score. So I would like to invite the critics of two thousand and four <laughs> to remove their heads from their asses <laughs> and have a little fun. Okay,
0: Enjoy the sleepover, damn it. This first review that I picked, I was really interested in uh, the content of, especially because these two reviews that I picked, the first one is from 2018, and the second one is from 2020. So these are reviews given with some hindsight, and this first one just has a lot of flavors to it that I think we'll be able to expand upon after watching the movie. So please take us away with your interpretation of David Germain of the Associated Press.
1: Okay, <laughs> should I do like a upset? Wait, is he is he upset about yes, it? Yes, he is. Yeah, <laughs> should I do like an upset man yeah, voice? Yeah, definitely. Sleepover objectifies early teenage girls in a manner that's disagreeable and indelicate at best. Cheap and vulgar at worst. (laughs) That was, like, really good.
0: (laughs) That was, like, that was uh, amazing. Okay, and now we have another review written by a woman from Common Sense Media, which I can only imagine is the most, like, Have some common sense when exposing your children to potentially questionable material. Like, (laughs) I just hate that it's called common sense media. But anyway, tell me what she
1: said. She said, not for younger kids, despite its PG rating.
0: So we might be in a Josie and the Pussycats type situation here where the content is a bit advanced for the rating or like the marketing clashed with what the movie actually is. I'm personally excited. I think it's way more fun. This seems like we will have a lot of things to say about it. So I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, But before we break to watch it, Audrey came up with a genius idea um, where we... (laughs) Where instead of just doing the cultural context of the era that the movie was released, we happened to talk about some gossip nuggets from the month of the movie's release. So... Celebrity gossip nuggets, obviously, not like regular civilian gossip. Who knows what that would be?
1: <laughs> Just, you know, <laughs> political.
0: Yeah, that's what we, we love to get into
1: that on this show. Um, yeah. So, Audrey, would you like to uh, walk us through these things? In July 2004, Britney Spears announced her engagement to Kevin Federline, um, which – At the time that you're hearing this, you've probably seen a lot more about Britney Spears in the past week or two than you have in a really long time. Hannah and I both watched the documentary on Hulu by the New York Times. And all I want to say is fuck the media. (laughs) that's all you want to say can i say that (laughs) yes of course you can (laughs) i don't even know (laughs) um i like don't recall dropping the f-bomb last season but i must i definitely
0: did a couple times
1: yeah and that Um, one's really worth it but you know what yeah that one's totally worth it and also free britney and we're here for you yes absolutely um, and
0: who knows? Like, we're recording this on Wednesday, February 10th. And maybe, maybe by the time this episode comes out a week from now, uh, maybe the conservatorship will have been exploded into smithereens. I highly doubt that, but it could happen. We will see. Yeah. I doubt maybe it. I'll have to come back in here um, with like a shitty lo fi update, like with voice memos or something. Yeah.
1: I hope so. I hope so too. Um, and then the second thing. Is that The Notebook had just come out. Yeah. So. so Pretty big. Everyone lives for that. And the fact that um, Rachel McAdams was in Mean Girls and The Notebook in the same year. Yes. Two career-defining
0: performances given by the then 26-year-old Rachel McAdams, Queen. Yeah, that's amazing. So good. Um but yeah, I mean, as for celebrity gossip, there really wasn't that much. And maybe that speaks to the fact that Brittany was just so monstrously relevant at the time that the only thing people could talk about was her announcing her engagement.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of Lindsay stuff around that time. Yeah. There's a lot
0: of stuff. Well, yes. However, upon my research into the archives, these were like the most relevant, like the most obvious things that emerged. So
1: mm-hmm. whatever.
0: There will be much more where this came from. In this season, for sure. So normally here we would talk about things that we remember from this movie, but we have not seen this movie. So I think it's just time for us to change that and watch it.
1: Yeah, let's change that. Let's change ourselves. Let's change our destinies
0: (laughs) in this moment. (laughs) Uh, This movie is available on YouTube for free with ads. So we are going to watch it that way and report back uh, with our trusty opinions, takes, and uh, conclusions the way that we always do. So Um,
1: fire up your internet browser (laughs) of choice. And um, we will be right back.
0: Thanks so much for checking it out. Well, everyone, we are back. And that was really a journey that we just went on. Uh, I, I loved it though. I mean, I had a good time. (laughs) In fact. I won't lie. I, I loved it so much that I have over a page of notes broken down by topic with, uh, points going from numbers to letters to Roman numerals breaking it all down. So, (laughs) oh, (laughs) it really got my brain going clearly. So. Why don't we just start with parts that we appreciated? Just the simple overview. Yeah. Yeah. So, parts we appreciated. For me, the overarching thing that I really appreciated was that this movie is just, like, relentlessly packed with cliches. Like, last day of school, moving to a new place, school dance, sneaking out of the house. Like, all those sorts of things are just, like... (laughs) They they are what makes this movie exist, and I loved that about it yeah. personally.
1: They said they said we will take every <laughs> every motif, every trope from every teen movie, and we will put it all in one. Yes, and
0: I knew what I was in for. It's like one of those things where I feel like, especially in film school and stuff, they're like your audience needs to know what they're in for. Like, your audience needs to know when they'll be able to go home to be able to, like, sit through something. And I felt like this movie gave me, like, six different things to wait to happen, and then I knew I could go home after. Uh, yeah. Which is a strength and a weakness, but anyway. Yeah. Um, the score of this movie does a tremendous amount of
1: heavy lifting. I appreciated that about it. That that was one of mine.
0: Yes. Um, Just, like, straight Jane Lynch- is funny. Just the concept yeah. is funny.
1: Well, I literally, when she was at the club with her friend, I was like. <gasps> yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> I, I thought like, the same
1: thing. I was, like, I was like, oh, my God, they're together. And the fact that then um, Julie was like when my dad knows what my mom's really up to. And I was like. I wish that's what it
0: was. I know. That was a thought I had too. I was like, oh my god, she's gay. But then, then it didn't not, happen. It didn't they're happen. Just, they're
1: just some girl, some platonic girlfriends going on. They're <laughs> just a couple of girlfriends. Uh, and then
0: I also oh, and speaking of that, one of the best parts of the whole movie for me was when when the mom was at the club. Like I was so surprised by that for some reason, even though it was it's like kind really, of obvious. It's in the trailer. I forgot. because oh. <laughs> I watched it like two days ago. But yeah, yeah. um I was thrilled to see her there. It, it It really reminded me of why we go to the movies if you know what I'm saying. It really got me. <laughs> um and then just Steve Carell randomly being in this and being really funny, I liked same.
1: That was my other highlight. I put Jane slash evan slash Steve. yes. Jane Lynch, Evan Peters, and Steve Carell brought the the campiness and, like, just comedy in general. Yes. Well, especially Evan and Steve, they brought the camp. Yes. And I just, like, Evan Peters can have my soul. Like, he has <laughs> my heart. He was
0: really, really good in this movie. He was just, like, really bizarre in the way that he would be in movies of this era, uh. but still yeah. really adorable. And you were like, that that kid's got it. That kid's got the, the energy that we want. He's got the bug. <laughs> this kid's got the bug. We're going to make him a star. <laughs> uh. Okay. So normally we would do parts that are worse now here, but considering that we have nothing to compare it to, Really, what I would retitle this category as for today is parts that were not good. Not necessarily (laughs) parts that were problematic, because we will certainly get to that, but just parts that were not great.
1: Uh, Do you have something um, in mind? (laughs) Yeah. I wrote to decide on an ending. Yes. Because there was actually, legitimately... Like, four endings. Yes. Like, we had about 20 minutes left, and it already felt like the end. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, the screenplay needs to make some more deliberate decisions.
0: Yeah, it was like, there were a lot of threads in this movie, and they did not let a single one of them leave our consciousness without the biggest golden <laughs> bow you could possibly create. Yeah,
1: yeah. Instead, and, and it couldn't have... It's like, this, this is just not how it works. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. She can't. She can't get away with the prank and make up with her brother and see her parents be good together and make up with her mom and get the guy and make <laughs> up with her f- friend and have a reconciliation moment. But she literally <laughs> does. She did all of that. Every single thing. And we saw the popular girls eat at the dumpster. <laughs> like.
0: We even got the button that we so desire. Yeah. Yeah. Like, That's a really good point. I did find it a little bit harder to pay attention near the end just because it was like so clear everything was going to be okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of endings. So one thing I had written down um, is that we were missing some depth between... Julie and Hannah in their friendship. Um, They're supposed to be, like, the best friends of the clique, which is, like, the blonde girl and the main girl. And Hannah's moving away at the end. And that's, like, kind (laughs) of part of the whole plot line. But, like, you don't really get why it's such a tragedy that she's leaving, especially in the end, because they, like, ruthlessly, ruthlessly have the exact same ending as Aquamarine in the sense where, like, Maybe they won't even sit at the good spot because, like, it doesn't matter anymore. Like, their whatever has changed, and it just it, the it did not hit the same because you didn't really actually have that much context between Julie and Hannah.
1: I, yeah, I, and I was actually I was sad about that because I know. it it could have been and like okay, full disclosure I am on my period right now, <laughs> and. <laughs> When I'm in this kind of vulnerable state, I will cry at things that don't deserve it, you know? Like, (laughs) But like them at the end, like I teared up, but I shouldn't have. I'm not saying that I should have. I'm just saying that's what happened. You're just speaking the truth. I'm speaking my truth. It would be wrong of me to come up on this podcast (laughs) and pretend like I wasn't moved even a little bit. I
0: was not moved, but you know what? that doesn't matter because you were moved so
1: whatever <laughs> but yeah it's not real but it's <laughs> yes I do I wish that we had something real to see why they care about each other so deeply yeah whatever yeah you yeah. too um, And then the other two parts that I thought
0: were bad, and they also kind of verge into being problematic, but I, we'll come back to them. But I'm just going to say these crisp sentences, and then we can just move on. So, first okay. of all, just Yancey, how dirty she was done, is not fun to watch. We will come back to that. And then this is problematic, but it just struck me as bad, too, was when... Julie breaks into the hot guy's house to steal his boxers and, like, literally watches him get naked.
1: mm mm-hmm. like, and And he's fine
0: with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then he ends up being fine with it. Like, it just, it's, like, when I was watching it as it was happening, I was like, well, this is, like, still relatively innocent. But then I was thinking about it, like, if this was, like, a 14-year-old boy and, like, a 17-year-old girl, yeah. I would, like, hate it, him.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there was like a role reversal there. Yeah. Um, which you don't, you really do not often see like a voyeuristic teen girl thing. Yeah, like, uh, you don't. You really don't. Meaning the teen girl being voyeuristic. But yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Not
1: the other way around. Yes.
0: Okay. So this is, so now we're really diving deep here. From here on out. This- <laughs> We are in the Philosophy of Sleepover 101 lecture and discussion group, perhaps. So I'm ready. How dated is this movie, slash how problematic is it? I think the best thing to start with with this movie is just to say that like one of the biggest themes in this movie is surrounding maturation romantically interpersonally and sexually and yeah viewed through the wrong lens or by the wrong person I can really see how this movie could be interpreted as being extremely inappropriate however I personally feel like it is not manipulative in the way that it's shot and it feels like it's made for women written by a woman even with the more problematic parts. So one thing that I wanted to bring in just to... That's true. Yeah, just just to kind of show an example of how I think this movie could be misinterpreted. So in the first half of the episode, we read that snippet of the review by um, David, David from the Associated Press. And so I did a little bit of Googling once we finished the movie, and I came across his full review. And the name of the review is... Sleepover. More like Lolita than Cinderella. And when I was watching the movie, I happened to be listening to this podcast called The Lolita Podcast right now. So I'm getting like a ton of information on Lolita. It's like very weird that all of this is coming up right now. But I don't think that this movie is like Lolita. And I'm going to read a little bit more context of David's review to like, get, just give us a flavor. Just go with me on this journey. So David says... It's one thing for pre-high schoolers to borrow, in air quotes, mom's car and embark on an all-night scavenger hunt. It's another when that scavenger hunt requires a 14-year-old girl to rendezvous at a bar with a grown man dug up on an online dating site so she can get him to buy her a drink. Considering that her date turns out to be one of her junior high teachers, sleepover steers disturbingly from wholesome fun into Lolita territory. And obviously... I mean, I know for me, and I said this to Audrey, like, that very first scene where you see the teacher interacting with Hannah and Julie, I, like, weirdly had a sense that there was going to be something like that just because he was, like, really young and approachably
1: cast. And friendly. Yeah. Yeah, very friendly.
0: Yeah, I was like, something is going to come back with this. Um, but I was really shocked when it came back the way that it did. Um, yeah.
1: Well, uh, can I add something? Yeah. I feel like I, to- I get why... From his perspective, he he might come away with that and write that. But I do feel like it is a gaze. There's a difference in gaze there. Yeah. Like, if I saw Sleepover when I was 10 or even 13, I don't think I would watch that scene and actually think anything. I, I don't think, I don't know, maybe I'm just oblivious. But like, I think I would watch that and just be like, Oh that's nice that that he's participating in the scavenger hunt. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean the the thing is that like, like he, that man who wrote that knows and so much more and has so much more context for these yeah. things than the yeah. target audience. Yes, I but. feel like
0: I feel like I'm, like, weirdly being an apologist for, like, predatory shit right now. But, like, to me, it's, like, well, thank God it ended up being their normal nice teacher who really, once he figures it out that it's Julie, which is, like, a little bit of a Cinderella story scenario, like, obviously you should be able to tell. Um, But he very quickly, Mm -hmm. like, slams on the brakes. Like, is it still – it's still weird. It's still a really weird part.
1: Yeah, it's still Um, weird, but but it's not, like – It's not like, "Uh, red alarm, red alarm. Like, this should not be viewed. Like, I I don't
0: know. I totally agree. I kind of feel like if you're an adult man who's already having to watch a tween movie for your job, you're going to bring a certain level of unavoidable bias to something like this. Yeah. Like, where you're just going to interpret it that way. But that being said, I do think that kind of... Leading up to that part, you've already seen some stuff that if you have not lived as a teenage girl, you would probably not believe. So, for example, like, um, when the popular the thong girls thongs. are like, we got thongs with our names on yeah. them. <laughs>
1: I knew that's
0: where I was going. <laughs> yeah, like, of course, if you're an adult man, you're like, what the fuck? That's so gross. And, like, I like, it makes you feel inherently creepy for even having heard that. But, yeah. like, that is literally,
1: that is what it's like. And, like, tell them, like, when I was little, like, I was afraid of thongs. (laughs) Like, I felt like I just, it's so true. Like, I really felt that. I I feel like that is, there's, like, an eliteness to thongs. (laughs) Like I I feel like
0: I can illuminate the eliteness to thongs a little bit because. Okay. Please do. This is is personal (laughs) for you and me, obviously, but I think that a lot of people can relate to it, which was that, like, We, you and I, had very strict rules surrounding what we could and could not wear, could and could not buy, could and could not watch. There was a lot of regulation. And for me, like, I remember being in, like, fourth grade, fifth grade. I know that sounds really creepy, but it's literally true. And being in the locker room at school and girls would have, like, fancy underwear that was, like, not appropriate for fifth graders. Yeah. But... And I remember being like, oh, I wish I could have something like that because this girl who has social capital has this cool, fancy underwear. And our mom was so vehemently against that, which obviously mm-hmm. she was totally within her rights yeah. to be that way. Like, we,
1: we weren't even allowed to look at the Victoria's Secret store. <laughs> no, literally, if we were in the mall, we would have to like...
0: <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, like our, shield our eyes. Um, Mom <laughs> listens to the show, so she's going to be uh, having opinions about this too. But yeah. I, I think that like the truth is when it comes to the sexual content in this movie, that like taking up issue with this movie for quote unquote sexualizing teens is such a joke because like all teen culture was, especially in the early two thousands, was sexualizing teens.
1: Yeah. And it's like, you do realize that these things are made by adults. Yeah. Like, you can't be mad at the teens. Yeah. Like, for for following the culture that was created by adults. Yeah, like, exactly. It's very much like a cycle. Like, yeah.
0: It's like, you're making money off this somehow. And it's just like, you getting mad that this movie was sexual is like, you being mad at a symptom instead of a cause. And I feel like for me, like as a writer, as a person making this podcast, like this sort of like genuine expression of coming into your own as a teen girl is really rare to be found in a movie like this. And I feel like it really authentically, like even though it's obviously like really unrealistic in parts, just (laughs) the fact that it is so messy and so boy crazy like the fact ugh, I'll get I'll get more into it but the fact that uh Julie's literally like the main thing I want in my whole life is for the boy I like to notice me and like me. Yeah. Like that is just how it is for a lot of people when you're that age. She states that as her goal. That is the goal of the movie. Yeah. And it's just like unapologetically that and I just appreciate it for that. <sighs> okay, so that's my first soapbox. <laughs> And I would like to tie up that soapbox with the line where Julie says, I'm blooming. I need a lock on my door. <laughs> yeah. Because she doesn't have I'm a lock. blooming. Yeah. So her wanting a lock on her door is very important to this movie and keep that in your mind. Oh, and on the opposite end of the whole, like, these girls are acting too sexual thing. Let's not forget that Stacy, the popular girl, gets dumped by her older boyfriend in the beginning because she won't have sex with him. Or, like, yeah. they don't say have sex, but, like, they're intentionally oh using euphemisms for it. Yeah. And I do think there's something in this movie, too, that speaks to, like, slightly older but not way older boys as, like, a symbol of maturity and, like, visibility. <sighs> anyway, now we're on to Yancey. Justice for Yancey. Yeah, justice for Yancey. And another thing that... It's not that deep, but there was literally not a single person of color, I think, in this entire movie.
1: There were, but
0: not black people. There were no black people. Like, even in, like, the dance scenes or the crowd scenes, I was like, I literally don't see a single black person. Yeah. But we're not surprised. We knew that, we know these movies are like this. Um. Okay, so now we have arrived to Yancey and the portrayal of fat people. <laughs> so, this era is really careless when it comes to triggering, damaging, upsetting portrayals and treatments of fat characters in stuff.
1: Extremely one-dimensional. To the point of it just baffles me that they made a young girl like say these lines and and like go through that. Yeah. Like they're they're like making a young actress go through something she didn't need to go through. Yes. And for context, if you if you didn't
0: watch the movie, Yancey is the fourth of, like, the nice girl clique. And the only reason why she got invited to the sleepover in the first place is because Stacy, who's the mean girl and used to be friends with Julie, couldn't come. So they invite Yancey as, like, uh, oh, we saw her getting bullied in the hallway, so we invited her to come. As Audrey said, Martha Dunstock was the blueprint from Heathers. It was like that. Um, even though in the movie Heathers, I think, no, no, no. In the movie Heathers, they're not friends. In the musical Heathers, they actually are friends, Veronica and, uh, and yeah. Martha. But anyway, that's not my point. So Yancey is along for the ride. And because this movie is so boy crazy and so boy obsessed, it comes up a lot that Yancey is never like – acknowledged by boys or noticed by boys or treated with any sort of like kindness in particular she says at one point that sometimes boys will ask her to like hold the door open for them and like that's really it and that's really hard for her because she's fucking 14 and that yeah is how it is but really, the argument that this movie makes about fat people, <laughs> um, and I do think that it's, like, a little bit better than some other things that we've watched are, but it's kind of canceled out by the fact that Yancey is such a major character. Um, basically, the... M-
1: yeah, the, there's an interesting thing where it's, like, it's, like, is it better because it's there or is it worse because right. it's there? Exactly. Like, and,
0: and so the movie makes this argument that's basically like fat people have other fat people. And yes. like there's this part near the beginning where one of the friends talks to Yancy and she's like, "Do you prefer celery or brownies?" And she's like, "Bitch, what kind of question is that?" And then the friend is like, "Well, you'll just you'll just end up being with a boy who also likes brownies." And you're like, "Like what is this euphemism?
1: That's a euphemism." Um like, and she's just like, okay, sure, ha. Yeah. Literally she's like, mm, right. So And you know what else I didn't mm-hmm. like about this whole thing? Is Ooh. that the the arc and the takeaway, like, the, the general theme that they give Yancey's storyline in the movie is there's someone for everyone. Yep,
0: that's, that's what I had written down, too. Because what happens is they have to sneak into this club. It's where they run into the teacher or where they meet the teacher. And Yancey, who is also fucking 14, like, meets... This man who, for some reason, we have discovered is the only audio tech roadie in this entire fucking city, clearly. Um, He's working overtime. He's going to the dance. He's going to the club. He's everywhere. and, uh, And so, and you know what? That actually might be legit. I don't know where they live. So the point is that he sees her outside of the club and talks to her and, like, treats her with a lot of kindness, but is flirting with her. And when you first watch it, you're like, this is cringe because <laughs> it's weird that you're like fat people and fat people. And then it's cringe also because the whole thing is just really weird. And then on top of that, he hes a fucking Look. adult. He's like an adult <laughs> man.
1: Or like at least like 19, you know, like yeah. 18, 19.
0: Yeah. And so... But she's like, oh, someone acknowledged me, like, oh, my God. And it's, like, so hard because you want to be happy for her so much, but at the same time, it's like, this is so wrong in so many ways. And if the movie was, like, 20% more self-aware of it being wrong, I think it would be easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. because they're just, like, nice fat guy, nice fat girl. (laughs) Like, The fact that that's it, it's just hey, <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of sad. Um, we cracked the code, yeah, and uh, so maybe that kind of thing was revolutionary for the time that there was any sort of depth given to Yancey at all, or that she was even yeah. in it, yeah. Um, but, but her whole plot surrounds her being bigger, and it is a fat phobic uh performance 100%. Or not performance, uh, it was yes. a fat phobic. Right, written character, mm-hmm. and I think the worst it part. It was a
1: fat phobic performance. <laughs>
0: she gave us a fat phobic performance. Um, <laughs> but, but the thing that I that I think encapsulates the whole role of Nancy the the most efficiently is that there's this scene at the end where the nice girl click goes into the dance and they're walking in slow motion up the staircase and the three thin girls are visible. And Yancey is like a little bit behind them on the staircase behind Julie. And like they walk. So you can't see her when they're all walking up. And then once she comes into the shot, she's out of focus and it cuts away immediately. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's just so... And that wasn't... That's not on purpose. Like, as far as, like, um... I don't know how to word it, but basically, that sums it up really well, and it wasn't necessarily deliberate. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it feels like it like, was
0: deliberate to erase her, but it wasn't supposed to be funny. Like, it wasn't played for any reason.
1: No, it wasn't. It was just, like, a transition shot. Like, it yeah. wasn't, like, saying anything in particular. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I just think, and this will be my last point on Yancy for now, is just that, like, this is, like, mini therapy time. But just, I was not, like, a fat child, but I was definitely, like, I've always been, like, the biggest in my friend group or, like, the biggest of my cousins or the biggest of whatever. And it's just, like, thinking about if I had watched that movie with a group of skinny friends or, like, if I was, like, physically just bigger than everyone else at the time, it would have been mm. really embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> and I just am glad they that I— They did her dirty. They did her so dirty, and I'm just really glad that I dodged that in my youth. Yeah. Okay, so, honestly, I could go on and on about this movie because I just think that there's so fucking much to talk about it, uh, or to say about it. But um, is this a worthwhile movie—
1: Here's my take, please. (laughs) This movie is fun to watch and funny as long as you don't have a brain that is going to be molded by it. I agree. You know, like. I think uh, so. Watching it at this age, even if I had watched it, I mean, and that really just depends on how moldable you are, how ready for molding your mind is. (laughs) But like yes, that's a slight Jack Black reference. <laughs> yes, I knew. Of course. Mines
0: for molding. Before I started um, talking earlier, I was almost like tip of the tongue teeth in the lips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway.
1: Um, anyway, yeah, I I think there's really nothing too catastrophic about it to the point where like it should be excommunicated from the canon. But I th- I thought there was a lot of fun elements to it and some mm-hmm. great casting and like comedic beats, if you will. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and it does have that element of like female perspective, female gaze, but still getting to the core of some some teenage struggles amongst girls. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Yeah.
0: On my notes for is it a worthwhile movie, I say absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that because I think it does something really interesting surrounding like the mythos of high school Um, because the younger sister is an eighth grader going into ninth grade and she has an older brother who's a college dropout, who is constantly waxing poetic about how he peaked in high school, basically. And by the end of the movie, the brother's like, I'm moving on. I'm going back to college. And she's like, I'm taking on high school. Um, (laughs) And I just feel like it does a really funny job of making high school seem like it is the most important experience of your life. Which is so good and so relevant to our show and what we talk about because all these movies, why we love them so much is because the stakes are just unbelievably high, always. (laughs) And (laughs) everything in this movie is life or death. Like, literally everything is life or death. If they don't complete the scavenger hunt, nothing really happens. No. They don't get the best spot to sit at. At the, but
1: they kind of make it clear that they don't even really care about that. Yeah,
0: well, because it's really about, oh, it just so happens to include that I need to talk to the boy I'm in love with on this list. Like, it's it's about that. But I just think that the way that the boys that they like are turned into symbols is really potent of something And I think that the parallels that this movie tries to make between Jane Lynch's night on the town and her daughter's night (laughs) on the town are, like, a reach, but actually really cute. Yeah. Um, I think that the parents' reconciliation with her daughter at the end is just, like, a good example of a parent not freaking out when a kid does something wrong Mm
1: -hmm. and sort of,
0: like, recognizing the autonomy of her because at the beginning of the movie she's like yeah. really scared that her kid is growing yeah. up
1: it's like it's like she's scared and because she's scared that causes um, like a rift between them it doesn't stop Julie from doing what she wants to do mm-hmm. when the mother finds out what she has done that it would be potentially a punishable offense <laughs> she she then rewards her with more trust yeah. Instead of taking more away. And I feel like that, hey, maybe that's a parenting tip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's like if your kid wants something that bad, I mean, we're not parents, but like, why not give them the chance to not mess it up? I mean, that being said, Julie does do some extremely dangerous shit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, like, but then yeah, we got to recognize the um, intensity of the things she does is very fantastical. Yeah. So, like, if you just take it down to the realistic level of something a teen would want to do. Yes. That's really what we're talking about. We're not yes. talking about voyeuristically watching your crush get <laughs> naked. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Um, and
0: really, I think just... The ending of the movie, the the final actual ending, where she goes out her window and she climbs into her treehouse, and her like unbelievably <laughs> somehow attained crush is there to literally say, "You dropped your crown, queen. queen." Like it was just like so fun and fantastical, and I just feel like that is the shit that we love. That is the shit that makes this genre. Worth revisiting because it just feels like eating an ice cream Sunday in the best way. And um, this movie was fucking great. I loved this movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I do have one more thing for appreciate and one more thing I didn't appreciate just before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. I did not appreciate how they pitted the two girlfriends, Sarah Paxton and then that other random girl at the dance. Yeah. They started fighting each other when they found out that the boyfriend was two time in them. Yeah. <laughs> and and that was completely unresolved, unexplained, just it was what it was. Yep. Um and I didn't appreciate that. But I did appreciate the Evan Peters Sarah Paxton dance competition. <laughs> oh yeah. The incredibly un the incredibly
0: loose dance competition.
1: Yeah. Oh my based god yeah. off- observation.
0: That part was so good. I totally forgot when, when he's like, want to see the picture of me in a coma? And she's like, yeah. And then they get the new picture and he's like, this is way better than my coma picture. It was (laughs) so cute. That was like low key, the best acting or chemistry of that whole movie. (laughs) Yeah. That part was really cute. I forgot about that. Yeah. That was great part of the movie. So all in all, I feel like we could not have possibly had a stronger opener for season two. Yeah, I feel fed. I feel Agreed. catered to. Thank you to everyone who suggested this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. This this almost feels like a movie that I would have like had a dream about or something because there's so many actors and the characters and elements that we're used to, but it's just in this movie that we somehow never saw.
1: Yeah. Actually, like, little bits and pieces of it were in my mind. And so I have seen it. I th- I think I have, but it just, I, it never hit. It never really. Yeah. I think yeah, I might I have even watched it. it, like, in college. That would make like, sense. Like, I probably. saw that it was, like, free with ads. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so...
0: I could not recommend this movie enough if you're looking for a light watch, if you're looking for some. Oh, also, last thing I'll say, the soundtrack was incredible. Yes. There was a band at the dance who was like a pop punk band and they were all like not grinding, dancing to pop punk. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah.
1: And I will be adding all the songs from this soundtrack to our playlist. If you don't know, we have a Spotify playlist called You're Entering the O-O's. 2000s yes um you can find it on our link tree (laughs) it's spotify playlist i'm very proud of it and it is a um collaborative playlist so you can add songs yes if you want
0: please do um and also now that we are recording episodes like as they come out um which I guess I'm exposing us as having not done that last time, but I think that's kind of (laughs) obvious. Um, Thank you to everyone who we've met on Instagram and TikTok and all these different places who have messaged us and been into the show. It's, like, so nice to know that you're not just, like, talking into the void. And Audrey and I get a lot of enjoyment out of talking to you guys. So thank you for listening to us talk uh, because we are talking. And we are here
1: (laughs) because we'd be talking
0: regardless. So it's nice to know. (laughs) Yeah. um, So next episode comes out a week from today. Uh, Chat us up. And in the meantime, have a nice week.
1: Stay groovy. (laughs) Stay groovy. (laughs) And um, for the love of brownies and celery. Are you a brownies
0: type of girl or a celery type of girl? there's someone for everyone
1: <laughs> what if she was like i'm both she was like get, get yourself a girl who can do both <laughs> none of them have a balanced diet apparently <laughs> none of them none of them okay, okay. Well, anyway see you next time bye, bye. You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at TupingPictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at TupingPictures and would love to hear from you there.
0: And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall.
1: We'll chat again soon. Bye. And Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.
0: This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.